Good morning. How's everyone today? All right, praise God. I want to just take a moment to uh, honor a pastor who's been pastoring for many years in the area, John Wynn and his wife Faye. They're here among us today. Would you just stand and uh, let's just welcome them. Praise God. Amen. Thank you. Well, today I want to talk to you uh, about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I want to answer the question. My goal is to answer the question, who needs it? Who needs it? And really, a, a, lot, a, a lot of people really have that attitude, like, uh, who needs it, you know? Um, there's really, I, I have found three different responses uh, as it relates to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. For some, they're unaware. They're unaware that there is this baptism. They're under, unaware as far as their understanding of the need for it. They're unaware uh, of what it means for their personal lives. For others, they're uninterested. They, they, they know enough to know that they're not interested in pursuing this baptism of the Holy Spirit. And, and then for others, they're unsatisfied. Meaning, they want more. They've discovered that there's more that God has for them. They've discovered that God uh, wants to do great things in their lives and through their lives. And they're unsatisfied. Meaning, they're in the process of pursuing the more that God has. And let me just tell you something. God always has more. He always wants to do more in your life. He always wants to reveal himself more in your life. He always wants you to bring, bring you, he wants to bring you to being closer uh, to Jesus and more like Jesus in your life. So there is more. And so I, I hope we're, I'm amongst the, the unsatisfied group. Like, I am not content. I am not comfortable. I am going more and more after what God has for me. Amen? So I want to talk to you today about uh, who needs it, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I'll just say a couple things about the baptism. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is something that takes place after you are born again, after you surrender, after you surrender your life to Jesus, after he comes in and changes your life. It's subsequent to the born-again experience. When Jesus comes in, the Bible says he makes all things new. He changes you. He forgives you of your sins. He, he puts you in right relationship with the Father. Uh, and, and he wipes away those things, that the shame, the guilt, the condemnation that, that our actions in the world would put on us. Amen? So there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Uh, so, so that's the salvation experience. The baptism in the Holy Spirit takes place Afterwards, and really, if I were to say it this way, uh, salvation is is for us. It changes us. The baptism of the Holy Spirit. Um, I heard someone say it this way: is for the people that I encounter. So he he is in me for my sake. He is on me for your sake. Is way is the way someone put it. And I'll uh, try and give you another analogy. As I drink this water, uh, the water goes inside of me. Whereas the, the baptism is, is uh, the Greek carries the meaning, the Greek of the word, the Greek form or the meaning of the word baptism or baptizo uh, carries the idea of to dip into or to immerse, all right? So salvation would be like the Holy Spirit coming into me, like drinking this water. The baptism in the Holy Spirit would be like me walking down the beach and jumping into the ocean, 
right? I'm immersed by the presence of the Holy Spirit. I'm immersed into the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what he wants for every one of us. But who needs it? Who needs it? Let, let's, let's talk about that for a moment. All right. I wanna, and I have several scriptures. You, you may want to jot these down uh, if, you're, if you're quick at taking notes. Um, or you'll be flipping, flipping in, your, in, your, in your Bible. We'll put some of the scriptures on the screen as well. So, so who needed? I want to start off by saying Jesus needed the baptism of the Holy Spirit. In, in John chapter 1, verses 32 to 34, we find John the Baptist describing uh, Jesus' baptism, Jesus' water baptism. And it's interesting. It says this. It says, then John gave this testimony, that is John the Baptist. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. Sort of like what you see here. The Spirit coming down from heaven as a dove, and it remained on him, on Jesus, okay? And and John goes on to say this. And I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me, To baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. And so here's John describing this this amazing event. What an amazing event to have the honor of baptizing the Messiah, the Son of God. John the Baptist baptizes Jesus, and as he's coming up, the Holy Spirit is descending. What that looked like, it's described as, as like as a dove, uh, but it had to be a very powerful moment for both of them. And then the voice of the Father from heaven uh, saying, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. Um, and so he's acknowledging his son, he's acknowledging the fact that, that uh, he sent the Messiah to earth. Jesus needed the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Let me ask you a question. How many sermons did Jesus preach before that moment? How many sermons do you think he preached before that moment? None. How many people do you think he healed before that moment? How many people, how many uh, demon-possessed people do you think he set free before that moment? How about miracles? How many miracles do you think he, before, her, he performed before that moment? None. You're, you're 100%. You're passing the test. Jesus needed the baptism of the Holy Spirit to function on the earth the way he did. That should say a lot. He came to earth fully God, fully man, but he was functioning as man to be a demonstration, an example for us. He needed the baptism of the Holy Spirit. His demonstration of that is, is an example to us, right? Jesus couldn't, I firmly believe Jesus couldn't fulfill his mission apart from the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And, and so Jesus needed the baptism of the Holy Spirit. By the Holy Spirit, he was filled, he was led, he was strengthened, he was empowered to do and accomplish what God has sent him to do. And so moving forward, who needs the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Well, I would say all spiritual leaders need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. In uh, the book of Acts, and we'll be in here more often than not, if you turn in your Bibles to the book of Acts, Jesus is speaking to his disciples or the apostles, however you want to look at it, and he says this. In verse 4, he says, "On On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift 
You see that? It's a gift. I mean, our Father in heaven does not give bad gifts, okay? But he says, Jesus is saying, wait for the gift my Father promised. The, the gift of the Father is, is referred to multiple times in the scriptures as the gift of the Holy Spirit or as the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So, so here is the future of the church. Here are the leaders of the church. These are the people that Jesus is about to pass the torch to, right? They're spiritual leaders, and he says, I don't want you to do anything until you're baptized in this Holy Spirit. I don't want you to pray for people. I don't want you to minister to people. I don't want you to witness until you have what I have to give you, the baptism in the Holy Spirit. So, so these, are the guys, these are the guys that walked with Jesus for three and a half years. These are the guys that heard every sermon he preached. These are the guys that saw the dead raised and the lepers healed and, and the paralyzed people healed and the blind eyes open and the deaf ears open and, and all the miracles, the signs and wonders that are taking place. Jesus walking on water, uh, calming the storm, you know, just miracle after miracle. These were firsthand witnesses of what Jesus did. And you would think, man, you walk with Jesus three and a half years, you heard everything he taught, you saw everything he did, you are qualified to carry on his ministry. He said, no, you are disqualified until you're baptized in the Holy Spirit. So who needed it? Spiritual leaders in that day needed it. Spiritual leaders in this day need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I hope you're staying with me because this is so significant. Uh, not only did Jesus need it, not only did uh, the disciples and spiritual leaders of our day need it, but people who have God's blessing and favor on their lives need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Um, there's a woman named Mary, and she happened to be the mother of Jesus. And in Luke uh, chapter 1, verse 28, it says this, The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. You see that? She's highly favored. Verse 42 says this, in a loud voice, this is Elizabeth, Mary's cousin, who happened to be John the Baptist's mother. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you bear. She had favor on her life, and she had blessing on her life. This woman was blessed and favored. Now, as you're sitting here today, you may be thinking, I'm blessed and favored. You know, God's hands on my life, uh, I love him, I hear his voice, I'm pressing into him in my relationship with him, you know, I've got a good job, I've got a good family, I've got my health, I'm living the dream and everything is good. I am favored and blessed. Well, let me tell you something, you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. In, in uh, Acts chapter 1, verse 13 and 14 it goes on to say and discuss the people that were in the upper room. After Jesus told his disciples, he said that I want you to wait in Jerusalem. And so they're waiting in this place called the upper room. And they're praying. They're seeking the face of God. They're crying out to God. They're waiting 10 full days. They're waiting. Well, in verse 14, we begin to see who was among them. Uh, in addition to the 11 disciples... It says in verse 14, they all joined together constantly in prayer along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. So she's pressing in for more. She's waiting for more. This is the mother of Jesus. She's blessed. She's favored. She's probably the most intimate person with Jesus on the face of the planet, right? 
Aside, I mean, John would probably argue with her because he said, I'm the one who Jesus loved, right? But, but, uh, but she's like, she's intimate with her son. There's a relationship. She traveled with him. You know, she was at the cross when he died. And here's this woman pressing in for more. And it says in chapter 2, verse 1, it says, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them, I'll repeat, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. Can I tell you something? Mary, the mother of Jesus, was baptized in the Holy Spirit. It says this, and they began to speak in tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Mary, the mother of Jesus, spoke in tongues. Now listen, she was highly favored and blessed, and she needed the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So who needs it, right? So we see that Jesus needed it. We see that his disciples needed it. And, and to me, that carries the idea of spiritual leaders, people in position that God has placed. You need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And, and people who have the blessing of God. I mean, you're seeing the blessing of God on your life. You use the words, I am blessed. You need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And you may be in here, I also began to think about this. You may be in here today and you look back at a date, 1985, 1999, where you were first baptized in the Holy Spirit. Well, let me tell you something. Don't make it a monument because he wants to fill you today. He wants to fill you today. Uh, if you look at, back at it as a historical event and you forget that God wants to use you today with the same power that he, he, he brought into your life that day, I think you're missing it because the power is available. The presence is, is available. Um, God wants to be using people. He wants, to, he wants to empower them to do the work of the ministry today. Amen. That's what we're called to do. That's why his spirit comes, to be witnesses, to be empowered, to be able to perform signs and wonders and miracles, to lay hands on the sick and see them healed, and, and so on and so forth. So, so here's this woman. She's highly blessed and favored and she's a tongue-talking, spirit-filled woman of God. Amen? Pursuing more of what Jesus promised. And it's not only the mom of Jesus. It's not only people who are highly favored and blessed. But as the, 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 pas, uh, the passage goes on in verse 5, we begin to see that people who fear God need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. In verse 5, it says this, Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And so here's these, this grouping of people that find themselves in Jerusalem because of the festival, the Pentecost festival that was going on. As I just read, it says, when the day of Pentecost came. Um, the day of Pentecost was, a, was a, a festival that was celebrated 50 days after the Passover feast. 50 days. Penta means 50 and so there's this celebration going on, and people would travel from where they lived into the major city to celebrate this religious holiday. For us, Pentecost falls 50 days after Resurrection Day or Easter. And that happens to be today, by the way. Today, we celebrate in America, Pentecost. So, so these people find themselves in Jerusalem, and they're celebrating um, uh, the first fruits of, the, of grain. That is, so they planted grain, and 50 days later, they begin to reap the first fruits of that, and they celebrate it before God because God is good, and he has demonstrated himself to be a provider. 
So they're in this city, Jerusalem, these God-fearing Jews, and all of a sudden they see people coming from this upper room. They had just been filled with the Holy Spirit. It says that they, they, they heard this rushing wind, right? They, they saw tongues of fire that were resting on their heads, and they spoke with their mouth in tongues. And so these people come out of that upper room and, and begin to flood the city, and, and the God-fearing Jews that were present there are beginning to ask the question, what in the world is going on here? These people that were in the upper room praying and baptized in the Holy Spirit were speaking not in their own language, but in the languages of the people that were uh, visiting Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost. I think 14 different nations were represented there if you, ca- if you count them out. This is amazing. Like imagine... You're, you're American, you speak English, and all of a sudden God does something to you. You find yourself among some, uh, uh, some, uh, some, some people. Yeah, I, I, I had a million things going through my head, sorry. But some people that speak a different language. Maybe they're from China. Maybe, maybe they're from Russia. Maybe they're from Africa. And they speak a different language. And they hear you speaking in their language the praises of God. That is amazing, Right? That's amazing. And so this is what's going on. These people are asking the question, what in the world? And so Peter stands up. Peter stands up. He's filled with the Holy Spirit. He begins to preach a message and begins to declare that this is what the promise of the Father is. It was spoken in the book of Joel, and and this is the fulfillment of it. The Holy Spirit has come. He's come to equip God's people to do the work that he has called them to do. And so um, if you skip down to verse 37, here's the response. Very powerful. Peter replied, actually 37 says this. uh, When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Like there is a response necessary based upon what you're telling us. He, and he's teaching about Jesus and, and the, uh, the fact that he came to fulfill the promise of the Messiah. Uh, and, and they said, what shall we do? Peter said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. So here they should be baptized and they should, be, they should repent, meaning accept Jesus Christ as Lord, turn away from your sins, uh, allow him to come into your life, give your life over to him, Right? But it doesn't stop there. He says, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise, what promise? The promise that they were seeing evidence of is for you and your children and all who are far off. For all whom the Lord our God will call. And he's saying generation after generation, my my grandchildren's children's children, this promise is for them. This promise is for the people in Syracuse, New York. This promise is for all who are far off. This promise is for the people sitting in Faith Chapel today. This promise is what you're seeing, Peter is saying, that there is a promise that God the Father has fulfilled by sending his son who is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. Is this making any sense? Is this good so far? So who needs the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Not only Jesus, not only spiritual leaders, not only people who are blessed and highly favored, but also people who fear God. People who fear God. These are the God-fearing Jews in that day. They needed the baptism in the Holy Spirit. But it doesn't stop there. As we go through the book of Acts, we see God doing more and more. Um, There's other groups of people that need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You ready? People who have been healed, people who have been delivered, 
and people who have been water baptized need the baptism and the Holy Spirit. I hope some of these categories include you. People who have been healed, delivered, and baptized in water. If you look at Acts chapter 8, there's this gentleman named Philip introduced. And Philip, uh, he was one of the seven that was appointed by the apostles because they found themselves too busy and, and they needed to dedicate their time to ministry of the word and to prayer. So they appointed seven people. Philip was one of them. Stephen was another of them. And we see in Acts chapter 8, verse 7, it says this. He, he ended up, Philip ended up going to Samaria. And as you may know, uh, Samaria was, was a hated people group by the Jews. Well, God sent Peter into Samaria, and he's ministering powerfully. And it says here in verse 7, it says, For with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city. And so... Uh, there, there's just amazing stuff going on in this city. There's joy. There's people who are demon-possessed being set free. There's people who are paralyzed being healed. I mean, it just had to be a, an amazing thing to observe. And, and so Philip is there. And now let me just pause for a moment about, about what I just read. Because you may think, that's weird. You know, you may think, okay, wow, there's, there's people on the ground shrieking, demons coming out of people, this guy's getting out of his wheelchair, running around praising God, there's joy, people laughing, filled with the joy of God, and this is just weird to me, you know? Let me say something to you about weird. The, this Bible is filled with stuff that's weird, okay? I mean, there's guy, this guy Moses, he slaps the Red Sea and it parts, and people walk through it, you know? I mean, the three... The three friends of Daniel are in a fiery furnace, and, and when the king looks in there, he sees four people, and they came out and they weren't burned. That is weird, right? I mean, the Bible is filled with weird stuff, but that doesn't mean it's not true, right? Jonah, the Bible says that a, a large fish brought Jonah to the shore when he's in the middle of the sea. I mean, that's pretty weird, isn't it? So we can't say that, that some things are weird and they're okay, and some things are weird and they're not okay, Right? God's doing a work. He's setting people free. He's, he's doing something deep in people's lives. He's healing people. He's filling them with joy. He's, he's, he's driving. Jesus said that I came to destroy the works of the devil, right? And so some of this stuff may be weird. It, it may seem like, whoa, that's, uh, you know, but that's okay. It, it's, this is God's word. He chose to do it this way. And we choose to trust him and follow him. And so as you look on in this passage, this is Philip, uh, Philip still doing ministry. He brings, he invites Peter, the apostles, Peter and John to come to this place in Samaria. And if you look at verse, verse, uh, verse 15, it says this. It says, when they arrived, that is Peter and John, they came to Samaria. They prayed for the new believers there that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. These are people that have been healed. They have been delivered. They had been filled with joy. They had been saved. They had been baptized. They needed something more. Are you getting me? They needed something more. There is more for every one of us. 
To say that, you know, that's weird, I don't want any of that. God says, he calls it a gift. He, he says that this is, this is going to help you accomplish the things I've called you to do. So who needs the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Well, definitely people have been healed and demonized that had been set free. And people who have been baptized needed the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But not only them, but people who are scholars. Maybe, maybe you're sitting here and you're just too smart for this stuff, you know? You're thinking, uh, uh, this doesn't make sense to me. I only run after things that make sense to me. You're a scholar. You're brilliant. You're intelligent. Well, let me tell you something. Scholars needed the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And not only scholars, but people who are knowledgeable of the scriptures and people who are zealous for God. In Acts 22, verse 3, we find this gentleman uh, named Paul, or formerly Saul, talking about his training, his background. 22.3 says this. I am a Jew born in Tarsus of Cilicia, but brought up in this city. I stuttered. Uh, I did this the exact same way last, <laughs> last service. I said stuttered. Okay. I studied under Gamaliel and was thoroughly trained in the law of our ancestors. I was just as zealous for God as any of you are today. Here's a man, Paul, and he studied under the rabbi of rabbis, Gamaliel. He was, if you were being trained to be a rabbi, you wanted to be under Gamaliel in that day. He was legendary. And Paul had the opportunity to study under him. And not only this, but in that day, as you're training in religion, they had to memorize incredible amounts of scripture. Incredible amounts. Uh, some people say that they had to memorize literally the first five books of the Bible. That is Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. That would be like, and this is word for word, by the way. So that would be like uh, 192 pages in my Bible, word for word. And, and uh, I, I heard someone say this. They could take they could take a nail and drive it through the scroll, and these, these people who had memorized the scriptures would be able to tell you the word that was missing because the nail made a hole if you read the words around them. Uh, they knew the scriptures back and forward. I mean, this guy was a scholar. This guy was brilliant, right? So, so this, is, this is Paul who we're talking about. He knew the word. Now, if you turn to Acts chapter 9, verse 17... We're introduced in, uh, a little bit earlier in this chapter to a guy named Ananias. If you've gone through our discipleship or if you ever do, we talk a lot about this guy named Ananias in Acts chapter 9. But in verse 17, Ananias is sent to minister to Paul. Paul had seen the great light. He was on, on the road to Damascus. He had letters from the high priest. He was going to persecute the church. He was going to arrest people that were called Christians people who were uh, serving Jesus Christ. He was on his way to this city called Damascus when Jesus revealed himself to him. Jesus revealed himself to him and he became blind. He couldn't see any longer. And for three days, he didn't eat, drink. Uh, and he was at this guy, guy's house. Ananias is sent by God to see Paul. And it says, but the Lord said to Ananias, verse 17, then Ananias went to the house and entered it, placing his hands on Saul. 
He said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you are coming here has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. You see, Paul needed to be filled with the Holy Spirit in order to accomplish what God had called him to do. And this guy was used mightily of God, but up until that point, he had just had an encounter with God. He needed the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Here's the last one I'll show you. Uh, so Paul, uh, people who are highly favored and blessed, people who are scholars, uh, people who are spiritual leaders, even Jesus needed this baptism of the Holy Spirit. Here's the last one I'll share with you. People who have walked with God for a long time. In Acts chapter 19, Acts chapter 19, Paul is in Ephesus. He travels to Ephesus and he runs into some disciples, it says. The Bible tells us he ran into some disciples. And these disciples uh, begin to converse with, with Paul. And this is when he's in his ministry mode now, after being baptized by the Holy Spirit. And, and Paul asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you first believed? And they said, we, we haven't even ever been taught that there was a Holy Spirit. We don't even know about the Holy Spirit. And then we pick up in verse 5. It says this, On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul, once again, placed his hands on them, you see this, this pattern, laying out of hands. Placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. These people... You know, they were walking in the faith as they knew it at that time. Paul's ministry was to take people deeper, giving people the encounter that God had for them, to raise people up. And so he's focused on leading people into the baptism of the Holy Spirit. See, these people, these people needed something that they didn't know they needed. And Paul helped them to walk into it. And I want to say something. Listen, maybe the categories I identified... Don't fit you. So who needs it? You need it. You need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You need what God has made available to you. The promise of the Father. The gift of the Spirit. You need it. Why do you need it? Because you will not be able to adequately do what God has called you to do apart from it. So I don't know if you're part of the unaware crowd, you just weren't unaware of this information, or maybe you're part of the uninterested crowd, and you just said, you know, thank you, but no thank you. Or maybe you're in the place where you're unsatisfied and you want more. Well, God has exactly what you need. I'm telling you, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is very, very important to the Christian life. It's very, very important for you to thrive. It's very, very important for you to succeed in what God has called you to do. And maybe you're, you're freaked out about this word tongues, because I know some people are. Maybe it's the tongues thing that messes with you. Let me just say something to you. The Bible says a lot of amazing things. Read, read 1 Corinthians chapter 14. It's like the tongues chapter. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Uh, Paul is writing to the Corinthians, and he says things like, I, I pray in tongues more than you all. He, he says, I wish that you all spoke in tongues. He's trying to set a standard for the church, and, and you'll hear him say, I would rather have you speak five intelligible words than 10,000 words in a tongue. And what he's saying is this. He's saying, when you're in the church in public, 
Don't be babbling in a tongue that no one understands. Use, seek, seek God for prophecy, for the prophetic, or for a tongue with an interpretation. Otherwise, you speak in a tongue when you're in your, in your, uh, your prayer closet or when you're alone with God or when you're seeking God because this is what he says. He says, the one who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. Maybe you're weak, you feel weak in your Christianity, weakened, you're, you're struggling in your walk. Well, you can build yourself up. God has the perfect tool for you to be strong in the Lord. And maybe you've been resisting up to this point, but he says you will edify yourself when you speak in another tongue. That's powerful, right? That's powerful. We, we need to be strengthened in the Lord. So uh, if you're of the uninterested crowd, my, my conviction and my passion is to get you to be passionate about what God has for you. He has more. We're not living in a day where we could settle, where we could step back and say, I've got all of God I want. I'm going to go live my life now. Now, because if you're in that mode, you'll never accomplish what he has for you. And tongues and baptism in the Holy Spirit is very, very important for you. In fact, let me just make a few statements in closing. If, if this baptism in the Holy Spirit is of little importance, why in the world would it have been spoken about in the prof, by the prophets in the Old Testament? If it's, of, if it's of little importance, why in the world would Jesus spend so much time talking about this and telling his disciples, you cannot do anything until you get this baptism? If it's of such little importance, why in the world would the early church talk about it so much? Paul minister it. These, these, uh, Philip in Samaria and all these apostles and, and uh, early disciples in that day. Why was it so important to them if it's such little importance? We've got to answer those questions if we're still, if we're still stiff-arming this gift that God has for us. I'm fascinated by the fact that the coming of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 was the beginning of the church as we know it. That started church, church life, the body uh, of Christ being built up. And you read, there was added to their number, added to their number. Then there was multiplication going on. Why? Because the baptism of the Holy Spirit came. Listen, there are lives that you're called to touch. There are people that you're called to impact. And you can't do it in your own strength. It's not an option. It's not, it's not a, a buffet-style Christianity where we go down and we take a little bit of this and a little bit of that, but we don't like that, and I don't want this. This world needs to know what God ha- has given us. This world needs to know what God has put in our lives. And we're, we're playing this option game because it's a little weird for us or it's something we don't understand. Listen, there are people around us that need what God has given us or made available to us. We're called to change this world. We're called to take this county. We're called to, to wherever we go, our neighborhoods, our homes, our workplaces, our schools, to leave uh, uh, the essence, the presence of God, changing the atmosphere because God's love is so great and amazing. You, you have nothing to offer apart from what God has put in your life. I mean, you're great people. 
You're amazing people, but God has something amazing to give you. And I pray that today a hunger has been stirred in you that will cause you to go after all that he has because there is more. I want to invite you to stand to your feet. Today we'll have some people available to pray for you and with you. Maybe you're in that place where you're saying, you know what? I'm hungry. I'm hungry for more. I want this more. I want this baptism that you're talking about. Or maybe you're here and you know your life has just sort of been a little empty or stagnant or, you know, apathetic. And you, you, have, you have a date that you can point to with your baptism in the Holy Spirit, but you need a fresh infilling. Today's your day. Today is your day. And so I'm, in a moment, I'm just going to pray and dismiss everyone. But I want to invite the hungry to make their way to the altar after, I, after I'm done praying. I want to make sure that uh, you know that we are prepared to pray for you. We've been seeking God. We have elders and pastors that will be here. We have altar ministry workers that will be here. There is more. Let's not be settlers. Let's be pursuers of, how, of the awesome things that God has for us. Amen? Let me pray for you. Father, today, Lord, I just come before you. I'm grateful for your goodness towards us and upon our lives. Lord, I'm hungry. And I know there's people in this room that are hungry for more of what you have for them. I pray that you stir them, that you draw them, that they become seekers and pursuers of all that you have. All their lives would be going after God. I'm, 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 I'm pressing into God. I'm seeking after God because I know there's more for me. Lord, stir hunger, stir hunger deeply. I give you praise. And Father, even at this altar, Father, I pray that you do great things today. And Father, I bless every person, Lord. Father, in this room, Lord, as they leave, Lord, as they uh, go about their weekend, Lord, I pray, Father, safety over them. I pray your goodness, your blessing, your favor upon their lives. I pray that they know you more, Lord. I pray that you use them in powerful ways, Lord, and we give you praise right now. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we love you. Uh, God bless you. If you're leaving, have a great weekend. If you're ready to go after more, there'll be people here that'll be praying for you, all right? God bless you.